Have you ever noticed that podcasts are a little like sharks? When they stop swimming, they die, and they can both smell blood from a mile away. So in the spirit of keeping swimming, I'd like to introduce you to TOS Plus. Putting my business pants on for a second, TOS Plus is our new premium membership thingamajig. It's the all-access pass to a growing library of exclusive horror, sci-fi, and WTF audio fiction, along with access to the regular TOS weekly stories in higher quality, a week early, and ad-free. Once again, that's exclusive episodes, ad-free, a week early, and higher quality audio. You'll also get access to the brand new TOS Plus Vault, where you can grab our ebooks, comics, and desktop wallpapers and all sorts of stuff. All of this is available today via our Patreon campaign, which includes juicy extras like Discord access, audiobooks, and merch. And if you're an Apple user, you can subscribe directly via the Apple Podcasts app. We're now in our eighth year of the podcast, and we've got so many cool projects on the boil none of which would be possible without the ongoing support of our listeners, specifically our premium subscribers, our super-powered patrons, and the many multi-dimensional voodoo priests air-guitaring to the TOS intro jingle. For more, head over to theotherstories.net forward slash plus. Once again, that's theotherstories.net forward slash plus. These aren't the stories your mother told you. No. These are the other stories. <laughs> the Hunt. Written by Daniel Wilcox. Narrated by Sophie Kamal. I wonder what the world was like before. I bet it was nice. A place full of laughter and games, without a single care in the world. Sunshine and rainbows, songs and stories. At least that's how Grandy Jacob used to tell it. Any requests? Grandy would ask, his face lined and creased in the flickering light of the fire. A dozen hands would shoot up in the air, waving as the children begged for the book of their choice. Hansel and Gretel, grown-ups own up, Jimmy the Caterpillar. I can still see it now. Never a friendlier face than Grandy's. He'd creak back on his rear and turn a page, telling the children and adults alike all about the wondrous colours of the old world. How society had reached a point in which it could go no further. The world ticked like a well-oiled machine. Governments found a wealth distribution system that catered for all and gave every individual across the planet fair health care and a promise of a decent life. Everyone had access to schools, and some people even spent whole days wasted in front of computer screens. That part was my favourite. I loved hearing about computers. No one remembers how many years ago exactly it happened. The day the world shifted and morphed like a butterfly bursting from a cocoon. In a matter of days, cities were flattened, oceans rose, the heavens clapped and roared as God came back to revise his work. What he did in seven days, he undid in three. I guess, in a way, we're all still waiting for him to finish. What about you, Holly? Ain't you got a story you want telling? Grandy had whistled through his teeth, motioning for me to join him. I remember then, just shaking my head shyly, standing back from the others in the corner, scared to approach. I'd always hated the limelight and had been a shy kid growing up. 
Only a couple times would Grandy have time outside of storytelling to spend with me, the grown-up so busy with chores and survival. But now, looking down at his grey, blood-soaked face, I begin to wonder why I had ever missed the chance. I wipe the tear away from my eye and look down the crumbled remnants of the road. Dotted along the way, for as far as I can see, are the corpses of rusted cars, painted with moss and vines. Plenty of places for someone to hide. I raise my crossbow to eye level and scan ahead. My hand throbs with the residual warmth of Grandy's body, and I feel my anger begin to rise. Calm, Holly. No rash decisions. That's how you get yourself... Like Grandy? I curse under my breath and hear something move. I swing a 180 arc and quickly lower the crossbow when I see Geneva, my hunting fox, snaking her way towards me. Pause, virtually silent as she approaches with a keen look in her eye. She spots Grandy's body, sniffs at his ear and lets out a low whine, her own ears dropping low. Shh, Jean. I know. I know. I feel you. Not now, though, OK? We'll find that son of a bitch. I offer a small treat, which she refuses. I can hardly blame her. My stomach is turning too. I turn my attention back to the road. There's nothing as far as the eye can see. A couple houses dotted about the broken countryside, far back in the distance. Maybe places for them to hide and seek shelter for the night. Who knows? If I've learned anything over my years navigating this hellhole, it's that you should always expect to be surprised. If only they'd left her. I smile as Geneva prods me with her nose. In her mouth is torn a piece of fabric, beige in colour, dirty and stained from the floor. Good girl, Jean, always making Mummy proud. I set the fabric for Jean to smell and soon she's leading the way. While Jean can remain low and focus on the road, I find myself a lot more cautious. Looking ahead, ducking behind cars, trees, thick cracks in the ground where the tarmac has risen and folded so high it can mask my form from way up ahead. A couple large cracks reveal entrances to dens leading into the ground below. Long tubes disappearing into the dark, where those with the skills to mine had sought safety some years ago. If my grandy's knowledge was right, most of these shafts were abandoned now. The colossal caves inside crumbled in on themselves, crushing and suffocating any resident left fighting during the earthquakes that plagued our days. Still, it never hurts to look. Passing one such large one, I pause a moment at the entrance, hypnotically staring into the dark shadows at the end, wondering what I might find if my feet were to lead me there. A quick examination of the soft earth at the entrance confirms that no one has come in or out that way in a long while now. Jean growls at me from the tarmac overhang above. I apologise with a nod of my head, climb back up and continue. As we continue, the sky goes from dark to darker. Rolling clouds streaked with flashes of neon greens and blues. The rumbling thunder is just the soundtrack to a life in a new world. Civilization 2.0, some called it. They most just labelled it Eden. I think it was a joke to begin with. Lifted straight out of that book that no man claimed. It doesn't seem so funny now. It's near dark time when Jean begins to slow down. We approach what appears to be a dilapidating farmhouse. It is huge, spanning wider than any building I've ever seen. 
though the top corners of the house are laid bare, destroyed through years of freak storms and aftershocks. The frame is holding steady, thick steel girders that would probably take the hand of a man to cut down and disassemble. A decaying skeleton of architecture from the old world. What do you think, girl? We got him. Jean licks my face eagerly. I set myself, taking a deep breath to steady my nerves. A lightning flash of Grandy's face crossing my thoughts with each blink. My heart pounds. There's no sign of movement as we speed across the drive, chancing the dash, the grass silencing my footsteps. We make it inside with little more than a creak of the door. I leave the door open, remembering the lesson that Papa taught. The reasons for this are twofold, he grumbled to me over a dusty bottle of something sour smelling. Number one, a door that closes makes a hell of a lot more noise than a door that doesn't. Number two, he winks across the campfire at Jared, a frail-looking survivor with a constant sodden expression on his face, his shoulder wrapped tight in the bloodstains of a bandage. Well, what is number two, Jared? You leave an escape route. At a boy, Papa laughs, wrapping an arm so tight around Grandy that he groans in pain. There's a creaking of a floorboard somewhere above, followed by careless footsteps and a cough. I dart next to a bare set of stairs and look up to see the hallway corridors of the next two floors. Floor number one is silent and uninteresting, but at number two, I can see the telltale flicker of a candle as someone moves around upstairs. I wait for the light to fade, then work my way up the staircase, being careful to tread lightly and keep all pressure to the edges. That's where the boards are strongest, less noise to be detected. I hop a couple gaps where wooden boards had been, but now appear to have fallen through to the space below, and before I know it, I'm safe on the landing. Voices now. Deep, booming voices. I can't make out what they're saying, but their bassy tones are unmistakable. Hey, who are you? My blood turns to ice as I turn around and see a balding, scar-faced brute emerging from the door to what appears to be a bathroom. His shirt is still tucked under his chin and his hands are fumbling with his belt. Uh, is all I can manage. Jean lays low, unseen by the brute, who seems paralysed for a moment. It's all I need. A second later, an arrow flies through the air, threading through his neck and splitting his throat. There's a strange gurgling sound as he falls to the floor. Jean relaxes. I quietly reload another arrow and return my attention to the folks upstairs. Had there been a time when killing was hard? Sure. At the end of the day, nobody wants to kill. But Eden had bred a dog-eats-dog world culture, and Grandy was the last dog in my life to be fed on. It's obvious behind which door the men are occupying. The chill of the wind filters through the gaps in the roof, but they're all safe inside. Behind the doorway lined with flickering orange light, I take a deep breath and steady my nerves. Well, here it goes. Jean, you ready? Jean responds by pricking up her ears and standing to attention. Let's go. It all happens so fast. With a swift kick of the door, it falls off its hinges. The light is almost dazzling after the darkness of the corridor, but I take confident steps inside, scanning the room for his face, looking for the son of a bitch that killed my grandy. There are three men, now retreating on their ass and hands into separate corners. 
One appears to be a bald fellow with a faded denim jacket covered in stitched bandages. The other, nearest to me, keeps his face hidden, already snivelling into his hands as though he can smell the scent of his own death. The third? Oh, quit blabbering, you big baby! Papa stops moving as our eyes meet down the line of sight of the crossbow. She ain't going to hurt us. Are you, Poppet? I feel my tongue swell to double its size. My eyes dart over Papa, examining every inch I can see. Papa looks tired, his face several shades of stubble, his brow creased in concentration. With his knees tucked to his chest, I can see the hole in his trousers where the material that lay in my pocket had been ripped from. A smattering of bloodstains across the remainder. Give me one good reason why I shouldn't. Papa looks as if he's about to stand. I refocus my weapon and he sits back down. Out of the corner of my eye, I am keeping a check on the other two, too. It's nothing personal, Holly. Everyone has their time in the sun. Everyone has their moment to fade. Grandy was old, a burden. Each step seemed to be pain to him. It was the only way we would have made it inside by dark. He swallowed, wiped a beard of sweat from his head. You know what happens after dark. They're probably tucking into him right now. I see it. In my head, an image of mongrel creatures with rabid moors and offensive patterns. Teeth sinking into the corpse of Grandy. The sight is awful. A man left to die by his own son. There's a whistling, followed by a thud and a groan. My hands are shaking and I realise that my grip has tightened. It's far too late. The arrow has flown. The light dies from Papa's eyes as he slides down the wall. A silent moment passes in which I'm uncertain what to do. I look from Papa to the two men cowering in the corners. I cross the room, take off Papa's coat and throw it over my shoulders. Everyone has their time in the sun, I say in the most measured voice I can manage. Papa was the key to the two men, their leader. If I'm to survive... I must get these men on my side before they mutiny. Will you stand with me? I say. They nod slowly. Lightning splits the sky. There's a blood-curdling howl in the distance. Good, I say, far more strongly than I feel. Then party up. We've got a long night ahead. enjoyed this episode of the other stories the hunt was written by daniel wilcox narrated by sophie kamal edited by carl hughes music by chino yoshio and tom robson if you're a fan of the show and you want to support the creators and keep the lights on then why not become a patron over at patreon.com forward slash hawk and cleaver there you can support the show from as little as a dollar a month that's less than the price of a cup of coffee or a pint of beer and you'll get a special ad-free early access to episodes, Q&As with the creators, and even a special bonus episode produced just for the patrons. Once again, that is patreon.com forward slash hawk and cleaver. Until next time.